Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 16, and we are making our way through the gospel of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're calling it our journey with Jesus, and we finished uh, this morning Luke chapter 15 with probably the most famous parable uh, in the entire Bible, the parable of the prodigal son, and tonight we begin Luke chapter 16 with probably the most confusing parable that Jesus ever taught, the parable of the unjust steward. And we're going to be uh, looking at this parable, and like I said, it's very confusing to many people. It's an unusual parable, and uh, it's confusing because of the fact that the hero of the story is the villain. And the guy who's the main character in the story, who actually gets commended at the end of the story, is actually a dishonest uh, criminal. And Jesus will, uh, would, would do this not often, but he would do it from time to time, where he would make a bad person the main character in a parable. Later on in the book of Luke, we're going to see another parable where he makes a dishonest judge the, the main character in the, in the parable. And you need to understand, and I've talked to you about this as we've moved through the Gospel of Luke and previously, that oftentimes when we study parables, you have parables of comparison where we are given a parable and we can compare the Christian life to that parable and learn from it. And then we have other parables that are parables of contrast, uh, where we're not supposed to look at this and compare ourselves and say we should try to be like this unjust steward, but instead it is a contrast to show us uh, a difference or to make a point. And that's what Jesus is doing here. And uh, we're going to go through this uh, story. We'll walk through it. And I think it'll make sense to you. If it has not made sense to you in the past, I think it'll make sense to you uh, when we're done. I'd like you to notice three lessons that we can learn from this parable. Again, like we said this morning, a parable is a lesson that Jesus taught. It's not a literal lesson. It's a fictional story that he told. And it was meant to be a, an earthly story that has a spiritual truth. And Jesus is speaking on this parable of the unjust steward. If you're taking notes, uh, this morning I had seven points. And uh, tonight I won't make, do that to you. I have three points tonight. Uh, so we'll move through these three points as quickly as possible. But if you're taking notes and you'd like to write these down, I'd like you to notice, first of all, the problem of the unjust steward. What was the problem with the unjust steward? You notice there in Luke 16 and verse 1, the Bible says, and he, of course, referring to Jesus, said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man. Not this, this isn't, uh, I'm not, I don't bring this up for any other reason than just, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting to make note. You ought to know, take note of the fact of how many rich men Jesus uh, put into his parables. We just saw uh, this morning the parable of the prodigal son in which we saw a rich father. Uh, here we see this parable with this certain rich man. Next Sunday morning we will see not a parable but a story of a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus, Jesus would use these men in these parables and in these stories. And here, the Bible says, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now, the word steward is not a word that we use very often today. And a synonym for the word steward would be a manager. A steward is someone who manages uh, the accounts or manages the estates of another. A steward would be like an administrator or a custodian. 
a manager, an accountant, someone uh, even even uh, for for very rich people, lawyers will serve as as a sort of steward, someone who manages the accounts, the wealth, the estates, the resources of an individual. And as you read the Bible, you'll notice that all throughout the Bible, wealthy, powerful people had stewards that would take care of their uh, of, of their finances and take care of their home and make sure that everything was. Uh, run well. And here Jesus tells a story of a certain rich man which had a steward. The steward worked for the rich man. His job was to manage the wealth, manage the estate, manage the resources of the rich man. And the Bible says there in verse 1, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. The same is referring to the steward. The steward had been accused unto him, unto the certain rich man, that the steward had wasted his goods. So I want you to understand that the problem of the unjust steward is that the unjust steward was using his Lord's resources, his boss's resources, as his own. The steward is one who is to manage the resources of another or on behalf of another. But this steward was an unjust steward. He was a dishonest steward. And this steward is one who had used his master's resources as his own. He had used the wealth of the resource, but he had stolen from him, and he had used them as though they were his own. The word for this would be embezzlement. Embezzlement is the theft or uh, uh, misappropriation of funds placed in one's trust or belonging to one's employers. And what this man did, though he had a job, and I'm sure he had uh, a salary, and, and, and in these days he would, pro- he would have a house that would be provided, living quarters that would be provided for him on the property for which he is managing. He had taken the opportunity in which he had been given the trust of the rich man, and he had, he had stolen uh, money, he had used resources, for his own wealth. So the unjust steward was using his boss's resources, his Lord's resources, as his own. Now, I'd like you to keep your place there in Luke chapter 16. That is our text for tonight. But go with me, if you would, quickly to the book of Psalms, Psalm 24. You open your Bible just right in the center. You'll more than likely fall in Psalm 24, excuse me, in the book of Psalms. And I'd like you to get to Psalm 24. When you get there, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Psalm uh, 24, we're going to leave Psalms and come back to it. And the application, one of the applications that can be made for this parable is very similar to an application uh, that I made this morning to the, uh, the parable of the prodigal. And it is this, the unjust steward was using his Lord's resources as his own. He was embezzling, he was stealing, he was taking that which he was supposed to manage on behalf of someone else, and he was using it on, his own, on himself, on his own wealth, on his own resources. He was unjust, he was a criminal, he was dishonest, because he was stealing from his boss, and the way in which he was stealing was that he was using the resources afforded to him, and he was using them personally. And the application for you and I is this, that we are unjust stewards when we use our Lord's resources as our own. If you want to know who it is that the unjust steward represents in this parable, it is a representation of the average Christian. Because of the fact, and we talked about it this morning, that God is the owner. God is the Lord. 
In this parable, when we talk about the rich man, the rich man is God. And you and I may not be aware of this, but God owns everything. Everything belongs to God, including ourselves. Are you there in Psalm 24? Look at verse 1. Psalm 24 and verse 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. I like how Psalm says it, uh, David says it, Hey, the earth is the Lord, and everything that the earth is full of is the Lord's. The world, notice, and they that dwell therein. The Bible is clear about the fact that God is the owner, everything belongs to God, Everything, the earth is the Lord's, and everything on earth, including they that dwell therein, belong to God. You're there in Psalm 24. Go to Revelation chapter 4 real quickly. Revelation chapter 4. Keep your place in Psalms because we're going to come back to it. And go to Revelation chapter 4, last book in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 4. Not only is God the owner, but we are the stewards. All that we have has been entrusted to us by God to manage on His behalf. Revelation 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. The Bible teaches that everything that was created was created for God, and it is for God's pleasure. And when we talk about stewards, and we talk about stewardship, we can think about this idea in the Bible of stewardship. The Bible says that a man that uh, that is found faithful, it talks about the fact that in order to be a steward of God, we must be found faithful. Faithful. And this idea of stewardship is taught throughout the Bible. I did an entire series on the stewardship of life several years ago because the Bible teaches this concept that we are the stewards and God is the owner. And, and, and I want to just take a, a minute to explain this and make sure you understand this because when you understand this idea, it, it'll revolutionize your life. It'll revolutionize the way you see life and the way you see the things of life. The Bible teaches that nothing we have belongs to us. All of it belongs to God. Everything we have was given to us by God. We talked about it this morning. Every good gift is from above. Every good gift comes from the Father of light. Everything you have, uh, it is the Bible tells us it is God that gives us the power to get wealth. It is God that gives you the breath. It is God that gives you the strength. It is God that gives you the energy. It is God that gives you the intellect for all all the business you do, all the money you have, all the resources you've acquired. They all belong to God. And they've been given to us not to own. We're not the owners. We're the stewards. Everything you have is not yours. And everything you have has been given to you to steward, to manage on behalf of God. Even your children. The Bible says that children are the heritage of the Lord. Your children are not yours. They do not belong to you. They've been given to you for a moment of time. They've been uh, handed to you for you to raise on behalf of God. Everything I have is God's. My home is God's. My vehicles are God's. My, My clothes are God's. Any resources we have, anything you have, it's God's. And all you are to do with it is steward it. Is steward it on behalf of God. People often complain when we preach on tithing. 
And they'll say, oh, you, got, you expect me to, to, to give you, you know, 10% of my income and you want me uh, to, to give you 10% and, and that belongs to me. Listen to me, 100% of it belongs to God. It's, it's not that God causes you or forces you to give him 10%. It's that God allows you to keep 90%. Because everything you have is his. And he gives it to you as a resource to steward on his behalf. And we are the unjust stewards who take what belongs to the Lord and use it like it's ours. Use it for ourselves. Embezzling from the Lord his resources, that makes us unjust stewards. Now please understand something. When we talk about stewardship, we're not simply talking about money. I often like to tell people what God has given us as steward is not just treasure. Treasure is part of it, but it is your talent. It is your time. It is your treasure. It is everything that you have. All of that belongs to God. And please don't misunderstand me. God is not against you and I using our time and using our talent and using our treasure uh, to work and to provide for our families and to, and to acquire things that are needed for life. Hey, God's not against that as long as you're using the time, treasure, and talent that He has given you for the work of God. He doesn't mind if you also use it personally. The problem is, the problem is that the average human and the average Christian, unfortunately, uses their time, uses their talent, uses their treasure that God has given them and never uses it for the work of God. Never does anything to benefit eternity, only use it for their own personal gain. And if that's you here tonight, please understand this. You are the unjust steward. What was the problem with the unjust steward? The unjust steward was using his Lord's resources as his own. And we tonight are unjust stewards when we use our Lord's resources as our own, as though they belong to us. Think about that. You say, I'm going to decide what I do with my time. It's not your time. It's God's time. It's God's time that he's given you to steward for his work. I'm going to decide what I do with my money. It's not your money. It's God's money. I'm going to decide what I do with my health. I'm going to decide what I do with my body. It's not yours. The Bible says that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not yours. It's been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your Father which is in heaven. In body and soul and spirit, it's all God's. It belongs to God. So we see the problem of the unjust steward. But I want you to notice, secondly, tonight, not only do we see the problem of the unjust steward, in the story it's interesting because we see the perspective of the unjust steward. And I want you to notice that there's a change in perspective. We talked about this a little bit in the parable of the prodigal son this morning, where we saw that the Bible says that he came to the end of himself. What I've noticed is that what often needs to happen in the life of somebody in order to see spiritual growth is for them to have a change in perspective. It's interesting to me that oftentimes individuals can be looking at the same problem, the same issues, the same situation they're dealing with, and they just see it differently. And sometimes if you can help somebody change their perspective, if you can give them a thought or, or help them to, to look at it in a different way, then their perspective will change 
and change can actually happen in their life. And here we see not only the problem of the unjust steward, that he had been using his Lord's resources as his own, but I want you to notice the perspective of the unjust steward, and I want you to notice that there was a change in his perspective. Look at it again, Luke 16 and verse 2. And he, this is the rich man, called him, this is the unjust steward, and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? He said, I've heard rumors that you're driving around in vehicles that you really shouldn't be able to afford. And and, and some of you are driving around in vehicles that you really shouldn't be able to afford, and the only reason you can afford them is because you're stealing from God. He said, what what is this that I hear? That that you're, 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 you're using my resources personally. He says, give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. That was verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, notice the change in his perspective. He says, what shall I do? Now look, this guy, please understand something. The reason that this parable is so confusing is because this guy is a bad guy. And I'm here to tell you, this guy's a bad guy. Obviously, he's a fictional character in a story, and I'm not going to say that he's a reprobate or something like that. But this is not a man of character. This is not a good uh, someone that, that has character and integrity. You, know, you young men, you got to look at this guy and say, I don't want to be like this guy. He says, what shall I do? For my Lord take away from me the stewardship. Notice what he says. He says, I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. I mean, here's what he's saying. I cannot dig. So he's like, I can't go work an honest job. He said, digging is too hard. What is he saying? He says, I'm lazy. He said, I cannot dig. And then he says, to beg, I am ashamed. He says, I can't beg. Now listen, I'm against people begging. I don't, I don't think you should beg. If you're, if you're a man and, and you've got health, you need to go work. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm against people begging. But I want you to understand that this guy, he's not against begging because begging would be wrong and the Bible says I must go labor and work with my hand. That's not why he's against begging. He's against begging because he's proud. He says, I, I'm too proud to, to, to stand on a street corner and beg. He says, to beg, I am ashamed. So though I agree with him that he should not be begging, I don't agree with him for the same reason. Because when he says, I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed, here's what he's saying. I am proud and I am lazy. He said, he he has this problem, this change in perspective. He said, I've got to do something. What shall I do? I'd like you to notice what prompts the change in his perspective. This unjust steward. Because what prompts the change in this unjust steward's perspective may also prompt a change in these unjust stewards' perspective. You say, what is it that changed? Notice number one, the realization that his stewardship was coming to an end. Look at verse two. And he called them, this is the certain rich man, and said unto him, Speaking to the unjust steward, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. That's what he says. For thou mayest be no longer steward. He said, you've been a steward for all this time, but that stewardship is going to come to an end. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? Notice, Notice what prompts the change in his perspective. He says, for my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. 
What was it that prompted a change in his perspective? It was the realization that his stewardship would one day, his stewardship would soon come to an end. Go to James chapter 4 if you would. James chapter 4, if you start at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, go backwards. You have Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James. You say, why is it that Jesus teaches a parable with a villain as the main character, with a dishonest person as the main character, with a crook as the main character? The reason that Jesus teaches this parable about an unjust steward is because the truth of the matter is this, that when it comes to the resources that God has given to us, many of us are unjust stewards. We've been using the resources that God has given us as, they were, as if they were our own. And what Jesus is trying to teach is that this unjust steward had a coming-to-the-end-of-himself moment. He had a change in perspective when, when, when he realized a couple of things. The first thing was that he realized that his stewardship was coming to an end. The Lord, the rich man, said, Thou mayest no longer be steward. And he says, My Lord taketh away my, uh, uh, the stewardship from me. But here's the application for you and I. That you and I, as stewards of God, should also realize that our stewardship will one day come to an end. You won't be a steward forever. James 4, are you there? Look at verse 14. James 4, 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? I love that. I love that question. One of these days I'm going to preach a series of sermons in a sermon series called Great Questions in the Bible. I, I, I love how the Bible and often the Lord Jesus Christ himself just asks these piercing questions. These questions that you should write down, underline, think about them. And this is one of those questions. He says, what is your life? He says, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. See, the truth of the matter is this, you unjust steward. Your stewardship will one day come to an end. Your life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Keep your finger right there in, in, in James. Uh, you've got your place in Psalms. Keep your place in, J- in James as well. Go back to Psalms real quickly. Psalm 39. Psalm 39. See, what brought a change in the unjust steward's perspective is the realization that his stewardship would come to an end. And look, listen to me. You are stewarding something for God right now. Your wealth, your health, your resources, everything you have, God has given to you to manage on his behalf. And your stewardship will also come to an end. Psalm 39, verse 4. Notice what the psalmist said. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail. I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth. A handbreadth was a term of measurement, literally the, the breadth of your hand or the length of your hand. He says, You, when it comes to measuring, he said, You have made my days in comparison to all of eternity. He said, You have made my days as in handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. 
Verily, verily, every man at his best state. I, I just, I love, I love how he says it. He says, every man at his best state. You're, you're like, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know about calling me an unjust steward. I'm pretty right with God, don't you know? Well, let me tell you something. Every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Whatever you are, God's not very impressed. You say, oh, if you knew the wealth of America. Bible says that the nations are like a drop in a bucket to the Lord. God has given you everything you have. God has given us everything we have. And it would change your life if you came to the realization that your stewardship will one day come to an end. Not only will your stewardship come to an end, go back to Luke 16. Once you notice what changes the perspective of this unjust steward, not only the realization that his stewardship would one day come to an end, but I want you to notice, secondly, what changes his perspective is the recognition that he will have to give an account for his stewardship. Look at verse 2 again, Luke 16, verse 2. And he called him, the rich man, the boss, the Lord, called him, the unjust steward, and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give, notice what he says, Give an account. Give an account. Often when people talk about the day of reckoning as a term of judgment, the word reckon simply means to account. Reckoning is a day in which God is going to sit you down and force you to give an account, to give an explanation of thy stewardship. He says, I hear this of thee, give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Let me tell you something. Go to Hebrews. I know you know this verse, but let's look at it together. Hebrews 9.27. If you kept your place in James, right before James, you have the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 9.27. Let me tell you something. Not only is your stewardship and my stewardship coming to an end, but when it comes to an end, you and I will give an account for what we did with what God gave us. Not Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, that's the end of your stewardship, but after this, the judgment. That's the day of reckoning. That's the day of accounting. You say, oh, well, I'm saved. I'm not going to be judged to go to hell. Hey, you're, you're saved, praise God. You're not going to stand at what's known as the great white throne of God where people get cast into hell. But you will stand at what's known as the judgment seat of Christ where we will give an account for that which was done in our bodies, for what we did in our lives, for what we did with, with, with what God had given us. And I, I'm just here to tell you, I, I'm here to help you understand that what changed the perspective of this unjust steward. See, he had been living his life thinking like his job would just go on forever, thinking like these resources would just last forever, thinking like these, these, these things that the master had given him, he could use them as his own, he could spend them as his own, and, and, and it would never end, the gravy train would never end. But when he realized that his stewardship would end, and when he realized that he would give an account for his stewardship, it changed his perspective. And there is something about a Christian who lives their life with the realization that it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. That we will not be stewards of what God has given us forever. 
And we will give an account to God for what was done with what he gave us. Go back to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. We're looking at the parable of the unjust steward. We see the problem of the unjust steward. The unjust steward was using his Lord's resources as his own. And that may be confusing. And it's often confusing to people because they say, why is it that Jesus is using a dishonest person as the main character in this parable? And the reason, and it's a little unsettling and maybe even offensive to you and you don't like to hear me say it. But if you don't like to hear me say it, it's because you need to hear me say it. It's because you are dishonest. Is because you are stealing what God has given you and using it as if it's your own. And what may change your perspective is the realization that your stewardship will one day come to an end. And when it does, God will require an account of your stewardship. So with this change, I'd like you to notice thirdly tonight, the unjust steward makes a plan. We saw the problem of the unjust steward. We saw the perspective of the unjust steward. I want you to notice thirdly tonight, the plan of the unjust steward. He decides, I got to do something about this. Look at verse 4. He says, I am resolved what to do. He said, I know what to do. I am resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Now, who's the they? The they has not came up. In the context yet, the reason for that is because Jesus was quoting the unjust steward. The unjust steward said, they. We're going to see in the next verse who the they are. But let me help you understand something. The steward, generally speaking, in the ancient world, and even up to the 17 and 1800s, even in America, those that would manage properties and, and, and were stewards of, of rich people's uh, 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 resources and estates, would often live on the property. This steward probably had living quarters on the property of the rich man for which he was a steward. So when he lost his job, he wasn't just going to lose his job, he was going to lose his house. He was going to lose everything. He said, I've got to do something. He says, I am resolved to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He said, I've got to be able to go somewhere. I've got to be able to go live somewhere. Remember, he says, I, I, I cannot dig and to beg, I am ashamed. He said, I, I'm too proud and too lazy to do anything else. I can't sleep on the street. He says, I need to do something, and I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So what does he do? What's his plan? Notice verse 5. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Now you say, what is happening here? Here's what's happening. He is lying. He is stealing. He is going to the people that owe money to his boss. And he's saying, hey, while I still have access to the accounts, while I still have access to the books, while I still have access to make these changes, while I still have the authority to sign and to make this a legitimate transaction, let's make a deal. How much do you owe? 100 measures of oil? Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. I'm going to forgive 50% of what you owe. And the people are thinking, you're going to get fired. And he's thinking, I'm already going to get fired. <laughs> Verse 7. 
Then, his, then he said to another, How much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write four score. He said, I owe a hundred measures of wheat. He said, Write down that you owe 80. But I owe a hundred. I know, but just write down that you owe 80. You're going to get fired. I know. Why are you doing this? Here's why he's doing it. So that when he gets fired, he can call upon these people who he greased their palms, who he helped out while he was able to. He can go call, say, hey, I just got fired. Can I stay with you tonight? What do you mean stay with me? Remember, remember you owed 50 and I, you know, I, I, you, I scratched your back, you scratched my back. That's what he's doing. He is stealing from his boss in order to get these debtors, in order to get them to like him, to ingratiate himself to them. But here's what's interesting. Verse 8, and the Lord, that's the boss. Now here, please understand this, people get confused with this. When the Bible says Lord here, you see that L-O-R-D? It's not capital L. That's not talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's talking about the boss in the story. Because the word Lord simply means sir or boss. So it's not Jesus speaking here. It's the character in the parable that Jesus is telling. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. The word command means to praise or to say, wow, that was, that was a good idea. The Lord commended the unjust steward. People get confused by this. and They say, well, I don't understand. Shouldn't the Lord be mad? Shouldn't the Lord be upset? He just cost him all this money. He just stole all this stuff from him. Why, why is it that he's commending him? And here's what I want you to say. The Lord is not commending him in the story for his dishonesty. The Lord is not commending him in the story for his thievery. The Lord is commending the unjust steward. Notice what it says, verse 8. Because he had done wisely. He does not commend him because of his dishonesty or stealing or, or, or forging records. He commends him because of his ingenuity. See, isn't it true that sometimes somebody could be dishonest, but they can be so cunning in their dishonesty that though we're not impressed with their dishonesty, we're impressed with what they do? I mean, you hear stories about the Bernie Madoffs and people like that, and you think to yourself, man, that was bad what they did, and that was wrong what they did, and they should go to prison for a long time. But that's a smart guy. I, I'm, not, I'm not commending what he did, but, but his ingenuity, I mean, he, he really thought this thing through. And this is what the Lord is doing. I heard a story of a family that had their vehicle stolen right out of their driveway. Three days later, the vehicle had been returned, washed, waxed, completely cleaned on the inside with a note in the driver's side seat said, thank you for the use of your vehicle. You'll find it completely washed and in working condition for, your, for you allowing us to use it. Here are a couple of tickets for your family to be able to go watch a show. While the family was gone watching the show, the thieves came back and robbed the house. And though you would not commend them for their thievery, you would commend them for their ingenuity. You would think, well, that was a good trick. And, and, and the Lord, when he commands the unjust steward, he's not commending him because he stole from him, but he says, hey, you're a sharp guy. I understand why I hired you to begin with. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. You say, well, what is it that he... Did. Remember, this is not a parable of comparison, it is a parable of contrast. See, the unjust steward came up with this plan, and this was his plan. 
he decided to use his current position and possessions, the job that he still had, because he had not yet been fired. He decided to use his current position and possessions that he still had while he had it, because remember, he was going to lose his job. Thou mayest be no longer steward. He decided to use his current position and possessions while he had it to affect his future position and possessions when he no longer had the job. The ingenuity of the unjust steward is that he used his current position at his job to affect his future position when he did not have a job. And what you and I must learn from this story is that we must decide to use our current position and possessions in this life while we have them to affect our future positions and possessions, not later on in this same life when we have a different job, but later on in the next life. The story of the unjust steward is the story of an individual who realized that what I currently have will not last, so let me use what I currently have to affect the future that I will experience. And what Jesus is trying to teach this lesson on stewardship is this. We must use our current position, possessions, resources, and invest them in such a way that they will yield for us rewards in the future life. Luke 16, notice what Jesus says. This is now Jesus speaking. No longer the characters in the story. Here's what Jesus says about the parable. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. People will see that word everlasting habitations and they get, they get confused. But what it means is this, that you and I should use our resources today to affect eternity. That we should use. He's saying, look, you're the unjust steward that has been using the resources that God gave you upon yourself. But if you were smart, you would realize that your stewardship will one day come to an end. And when it comes to an end, you will give an account for that which was done in your body. And if you were smart, you would use your current position and your current resources to affect your future position and your future resources in the everlasting. Use what you have in the temporal to affect the eternal. And by the way, this is taught all throughout the Bible. Let's run some verses quickly. Go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We already saw this passage, but let's look at it together. Luke 12, 33. Luke 12, 33. Notice what Jesus taught in Luke 12, 33. Sell that ye have and give alms. What, what, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, Take an opportunity with that which you have right now in your current position. Sell what you have and give alms to provide yourselves bags which wax not old. See, your bags, they wax old upon this earth. That expensive purse you purchase, it's going to get old, deteriorate. I would drop names, but I don't know any. And even if I did, I wouldn't know how to pronounce them. So feel safe, ladies. Provide yourselves bags with wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not. See, remember, the unjust, Jesus said, when you fail, you ought to provide for in such a way 
You ought to invest in such a way that when you fail, when you die, when, when, when all those fails, you've invested in eternity. You've lived your life in such a way that maybe on this earth you, you didn't use the resources on yourself. You used them to invest in others and help others and get the gospel to others and get Bible-believing churches started and you used the, uh, to, to fund the work of God. But you did it in such a way that when you get to heaven, they'll receive you into everlasting habitation. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I would love to be greeted by a crowd of people that said, Thank you. Thank you for giving your life to the ministry. Thank you for giving your life to seeing souls saved. Thank you for giving your life to, 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 to starting and, 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 and working at and, and funding a church that preached the gospel all over the Sacramento and all over California and all over the world. Hey, I, I hope that we get to heaven one day and, and, we, and we realize that what we did here affected that. What we did here affected there. And Jesus would sell, say, hey, sell that you have and give alms, provide yourself bags with wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupted. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. A famous missionary by the name of Jim Elliot said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, it would change your life if you realize that the money and the material goods you have on this earth, you cannot keep it. And we often tell people, you can't take it with you, and that's true. But here's a spiritual truth. Though you cannot take it with you, you can send it ahead. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Say, how do I know if I'm an unjust steward? Are you laying up for yourselves treasures upon earth? Are you using the resources that God has given you upon yourself as if they only belong to you and they have no other use? Because that would make you an unjust steward. Now, God doesn't mind you using it to provide for your needs. And I don't think that God is teaching that we all need to be, you know, take an oath of, of, of poverty or something like that. But please understand something. What you have does not belong to you. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. He says, here's why it's not wise to lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth because those things do not last. But, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Though you cannot take it, you can send it ahead where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Why? Because he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The teaching of the parable of the unjust steward is this, that we should use the resources of the now to affect the rewards of the then. See, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but what is your life? It is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And it is a foolish investment to invest into this time that will end. Your stewardship will come to an end. And you will give an account for what you have done with the resources that God gave you. But it would be wise to take the resources of now and invest them into the rewards of the then. The resources of the temporal to affect the rewards of the eternal. Go back to Luke chapter 16. We saw the parable of the unjust steward. What is it? The problem with the unjust steward. What's his problem? His problem is that he uses his Lord's resources as though they were his own. 
And can we be honest? If we were honest, we would realize that we as Christians often use the resources that God has given us as though they belong to us. And, and we would change if we realize, if our perspective changed, and we realize that our stewardship will one day come to an end, and we will give an account for what we did with what God gave us. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is though the steward, the unjust steward, made plans in his current position and his current uh, uh, place, he made uh, uh, plans with his current possessions to affect his future position, that you and I would be smart to do the same. To use our current position and possessions in this life, while we have it, to affect our future position and possessions in the next life, We should use the resources of the now to affect the rewards of the then. Notice verse 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. I want you to notice this little phrase at the end. Jesus is making the application. He says, for the children of this world, who are the children of this world? Unsaved people. He's not talking about reprobates. The Bible calls those the children of the devil or the children of... Belial or Beelzebub. This is simply the children of this world, unsaved people. Notice what he says. For the children of this world are in their generations wiser than the children of light. Jesus answers the question, why are you telling a story about an unsaved, unjust steward? And Jesus says, here's the reason I'm telling the story is because you could actually probably learn something from the worldly people. He's not saying learn everything from them, and he's definitely not saying go to them for doctrine, but he says there are some good things you can learn from some bad people. You say, why is that, Jesus? Here's why. Because the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make yourselves friends of the mammon of the unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. And you say, I don't really understand that. Why is Jesus saying that the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light? And to answer your question, the only thing that I could say is this. I think that Jesus is saying that because McDonald's has done a better job at reaching the world with their product than we've done at reaching the world with the gospel. Unfortunately, there's not one city in this world that you could not go to and get a Big Mac, but there are countries and cities all over this nation where you can't find a church that will preach the right gospel. Coca-Cola has done a better job at reaching the world. Their marketing plan, their marketing strategy, their, their resources, the way they do things, they've done a better job at reaching the world. We talk about, we can't reach the world. How could Christians reach the world? Well, I don't know. How does Coca-Cola do it? How does McDonald's do it? How does Amazon do it? How is it that Amazon can get you anything you want at any time, anywhere in this country, and we can't get the gospel to every door? The children of this world are in their generations wiser than the children of light. And what Jesus is teaching is that if you and I would get as serious about the work of the kingdom as they are about their unrighteous mammon, we might actually make an impact. I travel often as I preach, and oftentimes when I get on these planes, I sit next to these 
business people, and it's interesting to me. I mean, you see these business people, and you can tell the difference between a business guy and just a, a normal person because they're not watching the little screen in front of them or listen, you know, watching some movie or something. They've got their laptops out and they're typing away, and they're, you know, they're making phone calls right until the last minute. No, no, sell, sell, sell now. No, don't sell that. And right until the moment where the 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 the, the flight attendants tell them to put their phone down, and as soon as they land, the phone's back up, and they're uh, they're making deals, and they're calling this, and they're returning emails, and they're reading, and they've got their portfolios, and I. I just wonder how many Christians read their Bibles that intently. They've got their portfolios and they're reading the Wall Street Journal. Well, I'm, I'm a, they're about their father's business. And I'm just here to tell you that the children of this world are in their generations wiser than the children of light. Jesus says, I wonder if you got as serious about the work of God as the unjust steward. And, and please, please listen to me. You say, oh, would that, change, change, that wouldn't change anything. It would change everything. Amen. You'd quit showing up to church late. You'd quit showing up to your volunteer things that you've uh, committed to late. You say, well, I'm never late to work. Well, why are you always late to church? Right, right. Oh, I never take a day off. Why do you always take soul winning days off? Right, right. I, I, I'm just saying... Sometimes it seems like the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The children are the unsaved people who are reaching the world with their products. And the big takeaway is that the children of light must learn to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish our goals as well as the children of this world have used unrighteous mammon to accomplish theirs. And for that reason, Jesus says, maybe you should learn from the unjust steward. Maybe you should get as intense as the unjust steward. Maybe you should get as serious about reading the Bible as they're serious about the Wall Street Journal. Because while we sit here and make complaints and and talk about how it's not possible and we can't do it and we can't reach the world, they're reaching the world. For unrighteous mammon. While we sit back and waste the resources that God has given us to use for his kingdom on ourselves. And then we wonder why he tells a story about a dishonest, unjust steward. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'd help us. If we were honest with ourselves, we would all confess that we are unjust stewards. We've been unjust stewards at times. Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize that everything we have belongs to you. Everything we have came from you. I have nothing to glory of save in the cross. Any success that we've had, you've given to us. Any resources, you've been the provider. And you did not give them to us for us to use as our own. You gave them to us for us to use in the work of the kingdom. Lord, help us, get, help us to get as serious regarding church planting as McDonald's is regarding restaurant planting. Help us get as serious about getting the gospel to every door as Amazon is about getting products to every door. Help us to 
take the work of God seriously. Help us to learn the, the verse, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And Lord, we understand that the unjust steward is a bad guy. But there's some good things we can learn from this bad guy. I pray you'd help us to learn them. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're now, Brother RJ, come up and lead us in a final song. just want to give you a, a couple of reminders. First of all, don't forget that we've got uh, some sign-up sheets in the foyer, the main